Hello, podcast enthusiasts. It's Jim Jaquetta, co-founder and CTO of Vitovation. Thanks for tuning in. I've got an exclusive treat for you, my wireless experts checklist. Please text the word podcast to 949-755-8881 to grab it and open the door to some engaging conversations. Again, text the word podcast to 949-755-8881. I look forward to chatting with you and sharing valuable production and broadcast insights. Don't forget to hit subscribe or follow to catch all future episodes. Your feedback is gold. Please leave a review and shape the future of this podcast. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. This is a Geek Leader Podcast, and I'm your host, John Rauta. This show is all about helping us grow as leaders, become better technologists, and improve our lives both at work and at home. I hope you enjoy the show and learn a lot. Hello, world, and welcome to a Geek Leader Podcast. I'm your host, John Rauta. Today's sponsor is A2 Hosting. I've been using A2 Hosting solid-state hosting solutions for our website at geekleader.com for many, many years now and absolutely love their support, their service, and all the features that you get. You get access to cPanel. You get all of the things that you can imagine for a great WordPress experience, including their A2 optimized WordPress, which does extra security checks, extra lockdown. You can lock down your editor uh, file so you can't edit anything inside there. You get alerts whenever there are file changes that are done. Um, You can also do automatic updates, backups, and more with A2 hosting. So highly recommend it. Go to geekleader.com slash A2 to get more information and to sign up for their solid-state turbocharged speed hosting today. Again, that's geekleader.com slash A2. All right, Geek Leaders, today on the show, I am honored to have Jim Jaquetta from Vitovation on the show. He is the CTO, uh, co-founder, and they do some really cool stuff when it comes to the broadcast and media technology realm which is the industry that I work in. So it's very uh, self-serving to have him on the show today. But anyway, we're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about new tech that's going on, especially in the video world. And with all that being said, Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, John, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm honored to be one of your guests. I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, me too. Uh, if you don't mind, just tell the audience a little bit about how you got to where you are in your career, what your background's been like, and what is it that you guys do over at Vitivation? Well, I hope you got a couple hours, John. I, I could go back uh, quite pretty far. Uh, as a kid, my my uh, my dad was a, an Italian immigrant. He came to this country with twelve dollars in his wallet, and um, uh, met my mom. Got married at a young age, and uh, he, he was very proud of the thirty to thirty-five different jobs he had over the years. Uh, he started as an HVAC repairman. He welded windows. He got a job at Emerson Radio manufacturing radios and eventually ended up in the television industry, the broadcast industry. His first job was uh, in the industry was the very early days of the WWF. Um, um, is it John McMahon or uh, Jim McMahon? Jim McMahon found, yeah. yeah, Jim McMahon, the founder. Uh, I remember years after I go to my dad's like, was there a guy, Jim McMahon there in those early days? He's like, yeah, he always bought us pizzas at the end of the day. Very mm-hmm. nice guy. So my, my dad was from Italy and he didn't understand why grown men in tights were hitting each other over the head with chairs. 
then that led to him uh, working at, at NBC, ABC. Uh, his last job in television before starting his own company uh, was at NBC. He worked at 30 Rock for about 12 years. Uh, he was just a technician. Um, you know, my dad took a couple of engineering classes in Italy, but didn't really take to uh, the structure of class. So he's kind of a self-taught person. Uh, so he started his own company called Multidyne uh, in the late 70s. Uh, uh, the company made the first portable color bar test signal generator. Hmm. And uh, so it was like 78, 79-ish. And then CNN came on the scene in about 82, I believe, 81 or 82. And they bought hundreds of these color bar generators, test signal generators. NBC bought them, CNN bought them. And that's what launched the company. And, you know, my brother and I were always involved in the business as, as kids. We, we soldered circuit board. This is before things were surface mount. <laughs> I, I don't know how much you know, John. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know, everything's made by robots now. But, you know, uh, circuit boards were made by hand back in the day. And uh, uh, it was uh, my brother and I were involved in that. So uh, it was always a, a, a business, marketing, engineering conversation around the family uh, uh, table as a kid. And then about uh, actually June 27th of uh, this last, uh, June 17th of this last month was our 13th anniversary. Hmm. Uh, so, so bit ovation. Uh, my midlife crisis was to, uh, my wife's from California. <laughs> so my wife wanted to move from New York to California. And, you know, what do they say? Happy, happy wife, happy life. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was time for a change. My, my dad had passed away. So you really can't have two CEOs of a company. So I think one of us needed to take the, take the primary leadership role uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the lead of the company. Awesome. And I know, like, I remember, I still have a soldering iron because I remember soldering stuff when I was younger yeah. as well. I had an 8086 and I remember uh, soldering more RAM into it. <laughs> it wasn't like chips back then. It was. I yeah. I, I, I was, according to my dad, I was an excellent solderer. You know, you have the <laughs> right amount of heat, the right amount of solder, right amount of flux. Uh, then you got to clean the boards. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a whole, it's all automated now. So, so my, uh, so, so one of us needed to step away, you know, it, 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 my dad wasn't towards the end of his life. He really wasn't involved in the day to day, but on the rare occasion where I wanted to go right. And my brother thought we should go left. My dad was the tiebreaker. So uh, I wanted to move to California. So, so my brother uh, bought me out of my share and I started innovation and awesome. uh, um, you know, at the time, you know, we, the company was uh, fiber optic based primarily, so I wanted to get into IP. That was that was a new thing. Uh, so I wanted to get into IP. Uh, wanted to do more with wireless. Um, you know, I I uh, wanted to do things other than fiber. And then uh, you know, my brother realized like, well, wait a minute, you're not supposed to sell other people's fiber. You can sell multidyne fiber. So uh, early on, we did this uh, crazy contract with the NHL. We, the NHL approached us and it's like, hey, you got wireless expertise. Can you design an in-net camera to watch the red line in hockey? 
And when I was at Multidyne, we did a lot of the fiber optic infrastructure for the venues for the NHL. So it's kind of all in the family. So the NHL was like, we got uh, Jim's, we got Frank Jaquetta, who's the wire uh, fiber optic expert. And then we got Jim Jaquetta doing all our wireless. So they like, they had everything in the, the Jaquetta family. So that was our first big project. That was the NHL. Uh, and then IP, IP, you know, we, we, we have a, a very successful IPTV offering and, and, you know, IPTV, it's kind of a broad, um, uh, broad concept. Our definition of IPTV is enterprise IPTV. So you might see John in, in some of these stations that you bought, they might even still have um, coaxial uh, television distribution in the plant. You know, I'm talking about like a cable TV kind of a distribution. So if they want to watch video feeds uh, in another office or on stage or, or in another studio without having to go to master control to watch videos, they would distribute like cable TV in the facility or like mm -hmm. cable in your home. Well, a lot of new buildings now are not being built with RF coax in the wall anymore for television purposes. It's just all IP. So we have an IP offering where we can distribute uh, direct TV, dish, cable. Uh, we convert everything to IP, uh, studio feeds, stage feeds. So, so these were areas I wanted to get into uh, uh, with, with starting Vidovation, and we've been doing it now for, for almost 13 years. Awesome. Yeah, it seems like uh, the more I learn about broadcast side of uh, of technology that there's been so much that are moving into IP, it's more moving into like networking. And it, sound, it seems like it, it, the, the line is being blurred between like network infrastructure and broadcast infrastructure. For sure, for sure. And then, and then this poses challenges like the, the older engineers uh, are forced to learn IP, mm -hmm. but then a lot of the tech folks coming up don't have the fundamental video skills. They might be a, an, I, a, an IT expert or they got IT training in school or from Cisco, but the video element is lost. Mm -hmm. So uh, that, that's been some of the challenges, uh, you know, with, with personnel, uh, uh, marrying those two skills together. I have some really good people working with me that understand the, the, both sides of the biz, you know, the the, the the video and audio basics and then the i the it uh, side of it so you, you you almost have to have two degrees you know uh, an engineering degree and an it degree you know to, to survive yeah so how is it like when it comes to managing and leading people that um in, in an area like this that's changing so frequently and has changed you know significantly over the last you know decade and is continuing to advance and move into areas that are kind of the unknown yeah, yeah, it it, do, it does pose its challenges. Uh, you know, I I I like to lead by example. I'm I'm not the kind of manager that likes to point. Hey, you go do this. You go that there. Um, uh, if we're doing a big installation with a new customer, I I always try to be on site. Um, you know, I'm not like just telling my guys what to do. I'm in the trenches. Uh, if we hit a snag, we're figuring it out together. Uh, my dad kind of had this philosophy too. It's that, yes, we, we serve our customers. Our customers are important. Uh, you need to keep your employees and your team uh, at the same level, if not put them before the customer. 
uh, if you put your employees before the customer, then that trickles down to the customer that, you know, I think customer uh, companies that have bad customer service, there's, there's something wrong in the back end. There's something, mm. yeah. yeah. I think that my, my old man had, a, I, I don't remember how to say it in Italian, but um, the, the, the fish stinks from the head down, you know, <laughs> the, 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 you know, if there's a, a, a problem with the, with the company, it, it starts at the top. And, you know, we all work very hard. I, I work hard alongside my team. Uh, I, I, uh, I'm still learning to delegate. You know, you got to delegate more and more. You know, uh, uh, you can't do everything yourself. And, and if it, even if it's like a five minute task, you know, if it takes 15 minutes to document how to do a certain thing, I'll, 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 I'll even record a little screen grab with me narrating hey you go over here you click there and you know we use um collaboration and documentation tools like uh, i like evernote you, you to 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 i have notes from every project <laughs> every vendor um um and then um uh we really started using slack during covid we've uh, i've fallen in love with it you'll have to ask my employees if they like it uh, internally, I, I don't want to be emailed from, from internally. I want, you know, my, my folks will slack me and, and I use it as a punch list. You know, here's these, here's the five things you need to knock off boss or you need to approve. Boom, boom, boom. I go in there or I do, um, there's little icons, like little eyeballs, like, okay, I, I got it. I see it. It lets my team know that I'm working on it. And then, uh, later, okay, I approve it. It's good. Uh, so, so we've, uh, We've, I think we've adapted pretty well with us, most of us now working uh, separately and remotely, uh, uh, you know, using technology, using tools. But I'll give you an example. A curious customer went into one of our IPTV systems and they were, you know, how do I program this? I, I have no idea what they did. They wiped all the settings on some appliance. And, uh, you know, we got the tech support phone call or email and um, we use Zendesk for our support. So you can call and then it will, it will hunt for an agent that's available. I'm, I'm on the chain. I'm the last person on the chain. So if my guys are busy, you know, I, I don't wipe my hands like, hey, I'm above doing frontline tech support. If my guys are, it's rare, but if my guys are busy, I, I will take a support call. And it's 24-7. You know, we all, we, we all support our customers 24-7. So you can email or, or, or call in and um, customer calls in, you know, on the support line. Hey, I don't know what I did. I wiped out the settings. So go into our library, go into Evernote, you know, look at the uh, notes for that particular project. And, you know, within minutes, we're keying back in all the settings. Wow, you guys are so smart, man. How do you remember all these settings? by hand. I don't, I don't, I didn't let on secret. <laughs> oh, well, we know this product really, really well. So I'm a firm believer of communication, documentation. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I like to plan for contingencies too. You, you know, I, my, well, my, 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 my dad was always a firm believer. There's something's going to go wrong that you don't anticipate. So, mm -hmm. uh, make sure the simple things are covered, you know, um, you know, do you have the right tools? Do you have the right documentation? If this doesn't work, what's your plan B? Um, you know, what's the tech support number for a vendor? So you're not, 
scrambling in front of the customer. I don't know what to do. You know, you're, you're proactive. Uh, so that, that's kind of how we roll. And, and uh, I have a really, really great team. I have a great uh, operations team. I have great tech support team, great engineering. Um, believe it or not, in business, I find one of the challenging uh, positions to fill is sales. Uh, really? Finding salespeople that are legit, that are good. Here's a common problem with salespeople right now. They don't want to pick up the phone. Hmm. Um, um, a lot of salespeople coming up. Um, I'll do a lot of phone interaction with someone I'm interviewing, you know, see how good they're on the phone. Um, they'll call in. I'll purposely won't answer. I want to hear how they sound on a voicemail. Modern salespeople now are like, well, I, I sent out a couple of hundred emails yesterday. Did you talk to anybody? Now, emails is part of it, but, uh, you, you know, I, I think the old, you know, yes, the modern tools of email, text messaging, marketing is a big part of business development, but uh, old school dialing that phone, uh, uh, at least in our business, that that's, that's one of the most... Uh, do you think that's uh, kind of generational? Uh, I, I think so. That could be part of it. I, I've, um, I've. I know, like when I when I talk to like kids, you know, I say kids that I teach part time at Winthrop University. And I talk to you know students that are, that are there, and I remember back when you know if you wanted to go out on a date with someone, you had to call their house, and their parents would answer, you know, and then you would talk to them on the on the landline. They had to be home at that point, you know. You didn't have cell phones, you didn't have text messaging, and yeah. now it's like. You know, yeah. people are so used to just text messaging everything. It, 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 you know, the phone conversation is kind of a a rare thing when when they're growing up, so they're uncomfortable with that. Yeah, you know, and and we we don't call it cold calling; we call it warm calling. And, and what's the difference? Well, we might have a list of people we don't know, so we're they're they're cold, but it's targeted. We're not calling the yellow pages. You know, ran you know going alphabetically, not. So we have some idea. So if we're kind of targeting a certain type of, say, production company, and we've helped someone similar, and then we might name drop. So it's like, hey, we, we helped XYZ production do this crazy live reality TV show. Uh, have you guys ever had aspirations of doing a live reality TV show? We'll call. Now, 90% mm -hmm. of the time or 95% of the time you get a voicemail, then you do an email then might do a text message if we have a mobile number, uh, might hit them up on LinkedIn. But uh, yeah, I, my, my VP sales, um, he could sell ice to, to, he could convince an Eskimo that he needed ice. So it wouldn't be like he's tricking him. He would find a reason why the Eskimo needed the ice and he would sell it to them. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, so, so uh, you know, I like people with a good attitude too, that, that I, you know, you, you can get people that are really well educated. Uh, I think a good attitude and a willingness to learn can go a long way. Granted, you know, having specialized skills is, is always uh, a positive, but you know, if you get someone who's really good at their craft, sometimes a little arrogance comes along with it. And they, 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 they think they're above going to meetings and they're a little, little, little bit prickly with other employees, prickly with the customer. So I think um, uh, uh, attitude and a willingness to learn mm -hmm. uh, sometimes can out trump, you know, specialized skills because the specialized skills can be taught. I don't yeah. think you can, 
you, you know, and I, and I, th I think some of that DNA in sales too, you can't teach that, that, you know, that that's part of it too. I think a lot of people think they can do sales um, when they're really not cut out for it. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that completely. I know when I was um, many years ago, I had my own company that me and a couple of friends started. We ran that for about seven years before selling it off, but sales was always the most challenging part for me because it didn't come natural. It's like I had to force it and um, you know, it just wasn't, I wasn't comfortable with that. Luckily I had one of the partners that was much better at that side of it than I was. Yeah. Well, uh, that's important. <laughs> have, have, you know, if you're putting a team together, um, um, uh, have backfill people in your weak spots, you know? Yes, uh, yes. So yeah. let me ask you about, about, about that a little bit. When it comes to like hiring, um, have you seen it more difficult to hire now with, um, uh, post COVID world or, or is it easier for you? It depends. I think a lot of a lot of it is luck. Um, you know, <laughs> things are things are ramping up right now. Um, I'm probably guilty of not doing this, but uh, one of um, we we as a team, you know. So I wear a lot of different hats, and um, uh, when I was a kid, I was painfully shy. And now, if you asked my five year old self, I'd be doing a podcast right now. I'd be like, "That's crazy. <laughs> I I wouldn't speak in front of." hundreds or thousands of people. That's crazy. Well, we're not live, but you, you understand, you know, I do webinars. I'll speak in front of a room of a hundred people. Some people that have known me my whole life, he was such a nice, quiet, sweet kid. Now he just doesn't stop talking. He's just, uh, you know, <laughs> he's out there. So I, I, I came from a shy kid, uh, got, uh, went to engineering school, got, went into my dad's business and you know, my dad was the primary salesman, you know, he was working off of referrals, really people he knew. So I was like, we, you know, dad, we need to, we need a way to grow this. So I taught myself to overcome my shyness. So I guess I, I'm kind of contradicting myself. I said, there's certain inherent skills. You can't teach someone, you know, sales, it's gotta be in your <laughs> DNA. I don't think sales was in my DNA. So I was able to, so I guess if I could do it, anybody could do it. Um, you know, a lot of reading, a lot of practicing. Um, um, I learned a lot uh, out of college. I came back to work for my dad and then got approached by a headhunter and uh, uh, to work at a aerospace. Uh, it was a company that made um, uh, electronics for the aerospace industry. And headhunters like, oh, we're looking for somebody with video engineering experience. Uh, my old man's like, I was getting my master's at the time. And, and back then in the uh, late eighties, your employer paid for your master's. Like mm -hmm. if you got a B or a better. So that's how I got know, my master's for free. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's unheard <laughs> yeah. of now. I mean, I'm, I, I don't know, I don't know. I'm sure there's some companies out there that'll do it. But so my, my dad's like, you know, hey, want, get them to pay for your master's, but I, I think you'll learn a lot. And he was so right. I, you know, it wasn't a huge company, but it's a couple hundred people they had manufacturing in Taiwan. And I had two amazing bosses, the director of engineering, my, my direct boss, and then his boss, the VP of engineering. You know, it was a military. So it was all about organization and the documentation. Um, there was a form for everything. So I think it taught me a lot of structure. It taught me a lot of, you need to document. You know, it was, it was, the law we had, you know, we were building equipment for the government. So we, uh, uh, 
so I think I learned a lot. I worked there for maybe about two and a half, three years. So then I, I came back with a lot of ideas and I would go to lunch with the sales guys a lot and ask them a lot of questions. Um, and then the sales guys love having access to an engineer in case they got a technical question. So the sales guys loved sharing with me and saying, well, could you answer this tech question? Oh, I got a conference call at three. So the other engineers make fun of me. They'd be like, why, why are you hanging out with those cheesy sales guys? Uh, pardon, not all sales guys are cheesy, but <laughs> the engineers thought these sales guys, well, why are you hanging out with those guys? They, they, they say, well, my dad's business needs sales. I, I want to learn how these guys tick. So I, I learned a lot in that, in, that, in that process. And then I don't really read anymore for entertainment. It's usually sales, marketing, and leadership books or podcasts. I... I I listen to them while I, I exercise in the morning. I, I try to go for a hike or something. So, uh, but yeah, so I kind of deviated from your question, John, is it easier or harder to hire people? Uh, so part of the, what, what uh, HR folks recommend that you should always be looking for people. You should, you should, you should look for your new hire before you need it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think I'm guilty of not doing that that they say, uh, as a manager, you should spend 10% of your time um, uh, looking at resumes, you know, unfortunately, it, you know, kind of leads candidates on, you know, like you're not really ready to hire, but you want to, you want to have some potential candidates in the pipeline, uh, because you might need somebody unexpectedly. And, and I'm sure you, we've all been in those situations. It can take you months to find the right person, right? If you're not planning for it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think we all fall into that role where, you know, you don't want to hire, you know, if you don't need the role, because then you have to let someone go or it becomes, you know, that you know, you're wasting company resources and that person's time if, if you hire outside of that. But I think that's where it comes into it's important to network and get that, you know, group of people around you that you you've you can pull from. Like for example, if 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 I needed to hire someone um, in a leadership role, I, I've you know been around a lot of tech leaders. And I've had this podcast. I've been talking to a lot of them. There's a vast community that I can reach out to and maybe find someone that's looking for a change or that knows somebody that's looking for a change, and we can try to you know go that route and, and kind of build that 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 area. So I think that's where like going to meetups and just building that network of of people that are in those realms where you might need to hire someone from it is important to help you out when you get in that situation. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I, I don't know if you, maybe you disagree and I don't really do this, but they say you should be at minimum scanning resumes, mm. uh, even, uh, I don't know, I guess maybe the approach is to be honest with contacts, you know, like, hey, uh, your resume looks good. Uh, I'll keep you in mind. I might need someone in six months. So you, you just start some, some initial dialogue. I'll, I'll tell you one example. I, I've, um, um, hired someone and years later that person moved on or maybe didn't work out. I've gone back to the second or third runner up uh, uh, from the prior interview, you know, and I've kept in contact or particularly in sales or even engineering, the person will, will say, hey, Jim, I really enjoyed our interview. Is it okay if I keep in touch? You know, if a position opens up like they, they were you know, in hiring second or third place doesn't, you know, a silver or a bronze medal in HR doesn't really uh, help the candidate much. Uh, but, uh, 
keeping in contact with them. And then I've gone back and actually hired one of those runner-ups from a prior round of hiring and it's worked out. So uh, keeping in touch with people that you've been interviewed in the past, don't, don't just like ghost them, like, you know, thank them for applying, tell them, you know, it was a really hard decision. Uh, I encourage you to keep in touch. You know, I'll, I'll keep your resume. Don't, don't, don't burn that bridge. Cause you, you, you know, that, that runner up might be ideal for a slightly different position down the road. Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. I think it's always, always good to be transparent with people and let them know. And also to be scanning, because you may find you know, a person for a position that you don't have yet, but it may, you know, enlighten you to, Hey, we need to add that position. We need to, we need to grow our team because this person's, you know, too valuable to, to like get away. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So um, what have you seen on the horizon as far as, you know, broadcast technology and video over IP and things that are changing and, and, and of all these changes with, with broadcast kind of coming more of the network type infrastructure, have you seen any increase in concern when it comes to security? Yes, yes. Um, I don't want to name names, but it's pretty common knowledge. Um, one of the major broadcast groups got, got hacked at the enterprise level you know, ransomware, really mm-hmm. bad, really bad. Um, I don't want to mention the name. You, you, you might know. Yeah, yeah I, I'm familiar yeah. with that. I'm familiar with one that got hit not too long ago. And it, it yeah, was, I think they, yeah. Had, they reported about $35 million worth of uh, lost revenue from being yeah. off the air temporarily. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They, when live um, news goes off the air. It's a big deal. <laughs> well, any, any kind of live. Well, also dead air, you know, you get fined by the FCC. Yeah. You know, you, you, your transmitter you your, goes your, down. Your re- you, revenue from advertising, you lose all that. Yeah. yeah, but but also FCC, you 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 no no broadcast. That's very bad. You know, you I, I think you got a certain grace period to get back up online. Are you supposed to have backups? A backup transmitter. Uh, but yeah, that that's very bad. Um, yeah, no, it is it is a big concern. So uh, I'll give you some examples. So uh, when we do our IPTV, I'm gonna. You said it's okay if I geek out a little bit, John. So your mm-hmm. your IT uh, uh, listeners may appreciate this. So uh, when we when we distribute television uh, on the enterprise network with our IPTV offering, we you know management operations sometimes even the marketing department of an organization because we do digital signage as part of our television offering. So it might even be like a casino, and it's a mix of television and signage. So it might be the marketing department that brings us into the opportunity. And we always encourage uh, IT needs to be involved in the conversation early on, early on. Um, you know, I think IT departments, because they're so overwhelmed, they're so worried about security, uh, because if there's a breach, they're going to be blamed and they might get fired over it, even if it's not their fault. So they're, they're very nervous, very nervous. So uh, in our offering, we like to distribute the television streams in multicast. Uh, I'm sure most of your uh, listeners probably know this, but I'll, I'll explain it if there's people out there that don't know. So when you're any kind of communication on a network, but particularly video, there's two modes. Most communication on network is unicast. So I'll use my, my work computer here. I wanna print to the printer down the hall. Well, that sets up a point-to-point or a unicast communication. I don't need to let the whole organization know that I intend to print. I don't need to broadcast that to every 
terminal gyms printing something, I just need to talk to the printer. So those are one-to-one -one communications. Multicast, it, it's in its name, we're casting to multiple endpoints. So the, the stream is allowed to propagate, it's allowed to replicate across the network. Mm -hmm. And most corporate uh, networks have uh, multicast or, or uh, internet group multicast protocol or IGMP turned off. So we have to get IT to turn that on on all the switches. And while it's rare, we've run into some organizations where multicast is verboten, they, they won't allow it. Um, a multicast stream, if not managed right, could uh, cause damage. It could ping around the network indefinitely and cause damage. But you know, we set the TTL or the time to live of the stream that if it hops more than a couple of dozen times, it dies naturally on its own. It can't cause damage. So it, it can be set up right. Uh, rules can be set up in, in the switches. So the multicast streams propagate on the ports they're supposed to propagate on and, and nothing malicious can happen. So that's a fundamental change on the enterprise. We got to get IT on board to enable multicast. So I'm sure you can imagine, John, in some cases that might be challenging, right? Yeah, I know when we had to go through that process, um, you know, for, for some of our streams, it was like, well, let's enable it on the switches and then limit which VLANs we can, we can do and segment things off the best we can to you know, prevent any kind of crossover on any of that, but also to make sure the devices are set up, like you said, with, with proper TTLs for everything. Exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, on an, on, a, on an existing install, um, setting up a physically separate network may not be practical, but uh, we've, done, uh, we've done quite a few projects for, well, so Viacom became Viacom CBS. Now Viacom CBS is Paramount. Um, so the, the joke I have with my Viacom Paramount customers is like, who's printing those business cards? You just printed 10,000 business cards that said Viacom CBS, then six months later, now you're Paramount. So uh, I, I think they're, it, it's to promote the, you know, the Paramount streaming platform. They're changing mm -hmm. the whole company. So uh, we've done um, the, the Viacom uh, HQ in Gower. It's, it's a, a, a Hollywood facility. Viacom a few years ago built a, a centralized building in, in Hollywood. To, they were kind of a fragmented, at least in Southern California. You know, BET was in one building, Comedy Central was in another building. So they brought most, uh, the leadership team or most of the operations all under one roof. At least uh, in some cases there might be satellite facilities, but at least leadership so they can collaborate and have meetings together. They're all under one roof. So they built a brand new building. And the nice thing about building a brand new building is, uh, uh, they brought uh, uh, fiber connections to each floor, and uh, this the 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 blue cabling uh, was for television. The red cabling was for voice and, and data. So they they took it uh, more than just a VLAN separation. Physically separated the television uh, infrastructure from the the, you know, the business operation. Uh, infrastructure, but yeah, certainly putting things on their own VLAN is highly recommended. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, if you can physically air gap, we, we, you know, I definitely recommend always, always doing that for a broadcast. So that way, if you do get hit with ransomware or some kind of other malicious thing, it's not going to bleed over into that on air and affect, uh, you know, on air systems. And I know that's one of the, we had a project a couple of years ago to do that, to actually separate everything off um, and go through that um, separation between broadcast on air and, and in the, yeah. Yeah. And business units, and and that was a big deal. And once once that was completed, yeah, it's a little bit more difficult when it comes to putting content on on the network. But it it really saves you if you do get hit with anything. Yeah, even just troubleshooting too. If there's some uh, again, then if they don't want to have the 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 corporate switches multicast enabled uh, for whatever mm -hmm. reason, security or whatnot. So then the video streams would even if they tried to propagate on on the on the wrong uh, physical network just won't propagate. It's not, it's not multicast enabled. Uh, another um, um, uh, thing we do is um, we can stream to the desktop. So because we work with a lot of media companies, there's a business use case uh, to watch TV at your desk. Um, you know, maybe you're an analyst of a sports league. You know, we, we did a, a big project with Big Ten network so there's analysts at their computer they got to watch games um uh, other other sports uh we did the tennis channel uh tennis channel sinclair uh valley sports facility new facility in santa monica so people need to watch tv at their desk now if you're in an office you're an executive you have a, a screen on the wall you have uh you know a couch and a little kind of area with a tv uh, in your office. If you're in a cubicle and you need to watch TV, there's no room to put a monitor. So uh, it's very desirable for customers to watch TV in their browser. So if that's the case, uh, we tie our IPTV middleware uh, into the Active Directory. We have an LDAP module that uh, our professional services will work with the customer's IT department to do a full Active Directory integration. So I'm a mid-level employee at my desk and I want to watch ESPN and I go to the browser. You know, you, there'll be a special URL you go to to watch TV. I click on the URL. Mm -hmm. I log in with my, uh, I may not even need the login. You know, the, the network knows I've already logged into the computer with my uh, Active Directory credentials. So it knows who I am. It knows my computer. And it says, well, Jim's not allowed to watch ESPN because he's supposed to be working. Only executives can watch ESPN because they need to watch ESPN. Um, I've been in meetings where people, you know, C-level execs are like, we need ESPN, ESPN Classic. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, that's owned by Disney. That's why, why do you, well, we need to keep an eye on the competition. That's why I need ESPN. Yeah, but you're not in sports. So I'm just, you know. I guess it, it, it's a common thing now. If you work 80 hours a week, you, you should be able to get your ESPN in your office. <laughs> yep, if you're yep, living at your office, that's the least we could do for you is give you ESPN. <laughs> so, so at the desktop, because it's a, a network terminal now, uh, uh, all that can be locked down. Uh, then um, we had rolled out um, an IPTV system the fall, I believe it was a fall or late summer of 2019 uh, to the Paramount Studio lot. Uh, it was uh, hundreds, if not a thousand endpoints, you know, television. In uh, that, uh, I always thought it was comical before we got into IPTV. You go to a place like Paramount, 
Um, every trailer has a DirecTV dish on the roof. Every building, you'll see dishes lined up on the roof of all the studios. I'm like, that's insane. What, who, who's paying for all those accounts? So all that went away. Uh, if, if any trailer, any office, any soundstage, if you have a, a, a network connection, we can bring TV to you. So we built a, a DirecTV head end. Uh, we bring certain studio feeds to the head end because execs don't want to have to get up from their desk to go see if the show is being produced. You know, time is money, right? You know, I don't know, a, a production might be uh, $50,000 an hour to have the lights on, you know, to have the, the staff, the support, the catering, the craft services, et cetera, the union support folks, you know, a hundred grand an hour just, just to have the lights on essentially. Well, if everyone's standing around, nothing's happening, execs want to see that. And they want to see it from their office, mm -hmm. see it from the conference room. They don't, have to, they don't have to walk downstairs to the stage. So now COVID hits, um, productions were shut down, but then production slowly came back online. Now the execs didn't want to come in for safety concerns, COVID concerns, health concerns. Uh, how do I watch those stage feeds from home now? Well, the system was built just to be for the enterprise. So we put a secondary server in, in a DMZ outside the firewall and uh, 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 Paramount loves Okta for dual authentication. Mm -hmm. So they're like, we wanna have uh, Okta dual authentication. So uh, uh, users from home, we, we pass the streams through the firewall to this out server outside the firewall. And uh, people would log in from home. They would use their work Active Directory credentials. Now, not everyone is a Paramount employee, so that gets complicated. If you're a tenant of Paramount, you may have your own Active Directory server because you're, you're renting space. You're not an employee of Paramount. So some users were Active Directory, some were not. So we needed to, to, to uh, keep the login credentials that people used on campus safe and secure for when they logged in from the outside. And we, we protected it not only with a, a login and a password, but dual authentication. Um, you know, there's some IT departments that don't like dual authentication with text messaging because phones can be closed. So um, uh, not uh, they can be cloned, the phones can be cloned. Um, I don't know, have you heard of us? I actually haven't heard of a real, I don't know if it's a theoretical thing or if it actually ever really happened. So Okta, yeah, I think that happened with um, uh, Jeff Bezos. That's how they got his as they cloned his SIM card. And when he reset his Twitter password, it, it went to the SMS message went to the attacker who then was able to gain access to his Twitter. Okay, well, there you go. There you go. It's, so, it's, a, it's typically only like really high value targets that someone's going to spend that type of effort. To, to, to well, and, and, you know, we're talking about a studio and, and you know, um, it, you know, in television, you'll, you'll learn this, especially if it's an episodic kind of a, a, a show. If something leaks before, um, uh, my kids, when they were younger, did some extra work. So if you're a parent on site, on, they put tape over the lens of your camera on your phone, or they even take the phone away. You know, you, 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 you know, while they're shooting, no phones are allowed on set or, or near the set. 
because I mean, you've seen it, you know, some something leaks out, it ruins the dramatic ending for some TV show. Uh, so, so security is very important. So dual authentication to um, protect access to the streams, internally and externally, we are very good at uh, what we call digital rights management or DRM. Now there's different levels or different applications of digital rights management. You know, uh, digital rights management could even be, do you remember like the DVD players? Mm -hmm. the, the content on a DVD is encrypted. Uh, but there was a hack about that, right? You remember that where, where then DVDs could be bootlegged, uh, some Taiwanese vendor, all, all the access keys were hacked. So then uh, th that caused a debacle. I think this could be going back 20 years. Yeah, um, and you can go back even further than that. We had the cassette tapes where you put the little piece of tape up over them so you can record. Yeah, them. right. The, 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 you, you realize <laughs> yeah, the yeah. thing was punched out. You couldn't write over it or record mm -hmm. on it. Yeah. So, so digital rights management, where in, 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 in the satellite world, in the cable world, uh, Proidium is a very common uh, form of encryption. Uh, it was invented by uh, Samsung, LG, and others uh, as a, a you know common uh, protocol for encryption, um, and it's very sophisticated. It's uh, the keys are constantly changing. So, unlike other systems, if a key gets hacked or misplaced or misused, keys constantly changing. So you're 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 uh, um, uh, uh, it's, it's like having a, a lock on your door where the key's changing every few seconds or the passcode, the keypad to your data center, the code is changing every 15 seconds. Um, you know, with Okta, uh, you can do text message authentication or you get an Okta app. The app has to be registered with the IT department tied to your active directory. So it's, it's a closed loop. Um, that you know, employee gets fired, their Active Directory account gets disabled, everything dies, everything is 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 uh, disconnected. Um, I I know I'm sure you've seen this with like financial accounts, like uh, my E-Trade account. I got to use uh, the authentication authentication app where the code changes mm. every 15 seconds. So uh, Proidium works very much like that now. In the case of Paramount, because we wanted to stream to the desktop, uh, uh, decrypting Proidium is problematic at the desktop. So we we get we 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 uh, work with Directv and get Proidium turned off. In exchange, we use Verimatrix encryption, which Proidium and Verimatrix are kind of the two industry standards that are most utilized when it comes to encryption of streams. I hope I'm okay, John. I'm, this is kind of geeky stuff. <laughs> you said it was okay. So, so we're experts in Proidium and Verimatrix. So depending on the type of application, so we, let, we, we chose Proidium because then we, can, we, we have more flexibility then. Or then we can convert uh, to AES encryption uh, for certain end types of endpoints that can't decrypt Proidium or Verimatrix. So, uh, uh, so these streams, someone logs in doesn't mean someone in the recipient's house couldn't hack in uh, you know uh, uh, a clever kid at home could hack into the father or mom watching the stream from work or you know it's coming through the public internet so that verimatrix encryption was carried through to the endpoint 
So uh, uh, that was a big concern. So, so it was like May or June of 2020. Hey guys, how quickly can we uh, turn up uh, dual authentication and allowing people from home to watch the stage feeds? Um, took us a couple of weeks. Uh, uh, you know, the customer's like, well, like, when did you need it? Well, we needed it three weeks ago. So uh, it was one of those. But you it's know, the way it always happens, right? They always needed it in the past. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, obviously it was it was it was urgent, but we didn't mm-hmm. want to rush it. We did a lot of testing. We were able to get it up in a couple of weeks, and uh, customers were very very satisfied. Uh, so kind of a, a side note: uh, people want to bring Directv to their house. Now, that's a distribution violation. You can't. You know, so they could only bring their content home. Um, Direct TV, if we start moving content laterally off campus, we start to look like a cable operator and that's not allowed. So uh, if somebody wants to watch Direct TV in another building, uh, this is the rule of thumb. Direct TV, cable or dish network content cannot cross a public thoroughfare. That's kind of the rule of thumb. But DirecTV can cross a public thoroughfare if you're streaming to consumers. So the, the rules and the laws are a little outdated, but they'll change, I'm sure. So how can people uh, learn more about the things that you guys are doing at, at Vitivation and uh, connect with you online? Oh, oh great. Yeah, so so Vitovation, sometimes people want to put an E in it. It's Vidovation, V-I-D-O-V-A-T-I-O-N.com. That's our main website. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me on Twitter on my, my own name. The company doesn't have as many followers as I do. So it's just Jim Jaquetta, J-I-M-J-A-C-H-E-T-T-A. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn under my name. There's another Jim Jaquetta, but he's not in media. <laughs> uh, but definitely uh, email. Uh, you can uh, uh, you know visit our website. You can email me at Jim J J I M J at vidovation.com or give me a call uh, 949-954-5290 that's my direct dial so uh, I'm accessible so you can reach me reach me anywhere and thanks so much John if you enjoyed that episode please uh, leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts I'd greatly appreciate that and also don't forget to check out merch we have some t-shirts that uh, I've designed that are on at geekleader.com Um, You can click on the merchandise uh, section there and check that out. And also don't forget about the books from our guests. So if you like this guest and other guests that have written books, please um, go ahead and check that out at geekleader.com. I would greatly appreciate it, and I'm sure they would too.